bring me shelter I will not harm you Bring me shelter, please Bring me shelter I will not harm you I would shelter you People would do anything for their families It could happen to anyone anytime Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on maps. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders and this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo and when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees. I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 8.55am, Tricia. Good day and welcome to Refugee Radio. I'm your host, Celine Yap. And today I have with me some very interesting people. They both have exhibits coming up. Um, so the first person I'm going to speak to is a lady named Rachel. Uh, she's from a collective called yeah. Applespiel. And they have put together a really interesting sort of live experience exhibit. Now, to explain this exhibit, I'll go back a little bit. Um, in 2003, a co computer game called Escape from from Woomera received $25,000 in federal funding from the Australia Council, um, which was the federal arts funding body at the time. Then Immigration Minister Philip Ruddock was not happy about it. Well, he had a few things to say about it. But anyway, to make the game, they used TV footage, recollections of former detainees and employees, newspaper and radio reports, and their aim was to mimic the layout and daily life in centres, like mealtimes, guards, episodic violence and stuff like that. Um, and they did look at Woomera, Port Hedland, Baxter and Villawood. Back then, the creators said that there has been a lot of focus on victimhood and that they wanted to focus on the in the bravery of these people. So now uh, a group of artists has brought this game back and created a live exhibit and called it um, Return to Escape from Woomera. One of these artists, Rachel, is, is speaking to us today. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. So what made you revisit this game? It, it, it was made 16 years ago. Mm, yes, so... Uh, Apple Spiel is a collective of eight artists across Sydney, Canberra and Melbourne. So the contingent that's based in Sydney, we've been having discussions with Performance Space, which is um, a contemporary performance um, company, um, particularly with artistic director Jeff Khan, about making a large-scale show about esports and online gaming. Uh, and because they knew that we were interested in esports and online gaming, Jeff came to us and said, look, have you heard of this show? I'm um, sorry, this game from 2003, Escape from Woomera. Would you think about making a work for us for LiveWorks, the 2018 festival, where you um, investigate Escape from Wolverine and look at how things have changed in gaming and esports from 2003 to now. So that was our original um, framework for 
the show that is now returned to Escape from Woomera. So we're revisiting that 2003 game and looking at what's changed in esports, online gaming and activism in the arts in general since then and also what's changed in Australia's refugee policy since then. And what did you find um, doing the project? What do you think's changed? Mm. Well, lots of things. Esports in particular has really boomed since then. So in 2003, this particular game was a really early example of what we call a serious game. So a game that can be live or online or computer game that is using a serious topic or trying to um, get people to understand uh, a complex question. Um, and serious gaming in particular has really taken off since then and there are so really elegant examples around that you can find uh, games like Papers, Please, which is um, a game about an immigration border officer um, deciding whether or not to let certain people through. Um, so games that are designed to teach you about maybe a current event or a current policy, maybe build empathy and understanding. That um, type of game has really boomed since 2003. So this is a really early example that we can dig into and see like, what worked then, what didn't work, what are we focusing on now? Uh, so the game in 2003 was made with a largely um, non-refugee uh, teams, so journalists and game designers who themselves did not have any experience of being detained or having been refugees themselves. But nowadays, because of the differences we have in access to technology and how cheap or relatively cheap some of the game-making mechanisms that we now use are, there are many, many examples of games and series games that are actually made by and for and reflect more closely the experience of, say, a detainee or a refugee. Uh, so a game that came to our attention a couple of months ago is uh, called Path Out, uh, and it's a game about escaping Syria as a refugee that was made by a 23-year-old, and it's um, quite incredible, the sophistication of the game and the, the meta um, game work that he's put into it. And that's a game that you can play online and find. It's called Path Out. Um, so that, I guess, is like a really contemporary version of um, Escape from Woomera, which is a game where you are in the same way playing as a refugee who's trying to escape somewhere. And have have you read anything about who are playing, who's playing these games and what effect these games are having on people? Uh, I haven't in particular. I mean, we've done some general um, looking into, oh, sorry, we've done some general research into the impact that games can have. Mm. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, the uproar about violent games inciting violence, um, which I think has been disproven quite broadly. So, I mean, a game like Escape from Woomera was quite um, explicitly trying to build empathy for refugees and to turn their story into a hero's journey story, which I think that they have, but we'll also leave that up to our audience to decide how successful they think the game is as a piece of activism. It's really um, interesting but, where games have gone hmm. um, the last few years, haven't they? I read I read an article about a game that um, there was a virus that happened in the game and like by mm. accident, and they now use it to study how diseases spread and how people react to diseases, to epidemics oh, wow. in particular. Ooh. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, sorry. So anyway, <laughs> get back on topic. Um, yeah. So how? So you've turned it into a live exhibit. So how? How does that work? Yeah. So the the show or the live experience is called Return to Escape from Ulnar. Goes for two and a half hours. So in Melbourne, our season starts at six thirty p.m. Um, the audience comes in and takes a seat in the space and we invite audience members to 
play the game. So there's a big screen set up in a computer and if you'd like to play the game, you can come set yourself up on the computer and everyone will be able to see you playing on the big screen. And while people are playing that game, so that's the original 2003 game, we have a panel set up with some Appleshville performers kind of working as commentators for the game, providing insight to what's going on. Um, we have that panel on stage with Appleshville and each night we invite um, two or three guests to join us on that panel. So there's guests we try to make sure that there are people on that panel who have experience of being detained. And we also have academics and writers and policymakers um, to join us to look at the activism within the game, activism within art in general, how effective is it, um, refugee policy in Australia, what's changed between 2003 and now, and uh, I guess what people can do now if they want to understand the experience of being detained with some more nuance um, in relation to what's happening now in Australia and what to do next. And you've already run, you, you've done, you've run this show before, have you? Or is that, this yeah, is so the first have, one? Yeah. Yeah, we've had a season in Sydney. At the and and what, was the, what was the reaction to it in Sydney? I think one of the most um, general reactions is discomfort. It's quite a harrowing experience to to either play the game or watch someone playing the game where they are truly like they're acting out the story of someone who needs to escape from a detention centre because they're going to be deported to somewhere where they know they're going to be killed. And that's a real-life situation. All the stories in the game, all the conversations that you have with characters in the game are based on real-life events. So that in itself is quite disturbing. Yeah. Um, and experiencing that over an, an extended time, so two and a half hours of the show, it's uncomfortable. Um, it can, yeah, I, I guess discomfort is probably the key experience, but we hope that it's a productive discomfort, that the conversations that we have over that time um, can become... Um, can move outside of maybe the bubble that you might be thinking of when you think about artists having conversations about refugee policy. We hope that it becomes more complex and more nuanced than um, simply preaching to the choir and that there's grey area that we can kind of explore together with the audience on that. And have you received any um, feedback from people who were with actual, um, like I know you said you have them on your panel, but because um, mm -hmm. I remember reading back through um, w when the game first came out, um, it was kind of, there were kind of mixed reactions to it. Like some people said that it was trivialising the issue, mm. um, but obviously back then gaming wasn't um, as, uh, people didn't know a lot about, about how gaming can work in a mm. social, um, social justice platform. And then there was also obviously the good points about, about it reaching um, a wide audience. Um, so, yeah, have you had any reactions from people with that background? Yeah, absolutely, and completely justified. And we've spoken to the creators of the original game and they've told us that if they were making it again today, they would form their team quite differently because um, in that same kind of maxim of nothing about us without us, the experiences that were included in that original game were kind of secondary. Um, so it's quite different to a game like Path Out, which is being made by someone who has actually had that experience of trying to escape from Syria. And so for us, Appleshville, we're a collective of white, you know, middle-class artists 
and approaching this material because Jeff kind of gave it to us as a provocation we were like oh okay I feel a bit uncomfortable approaching this game about a refugee experience as a white arts group we've thought about what are the ways that we can get those voices into the show so we have that panel with guests but I don't actually think that fulfills the maximum of nothing about us without us so that's a contentious point for us that we keep coming back to I think that we have quite strongly I hope quite strongly um, focused on our responsibility as white Australians or as non-refugee Australians there have been hideous things done in our names in Australia that we do have to take responsibility for and we have to use the voice and power that we have to change them if we do believe that they should be changed and so I think that there's discomfort that comes from that as well from us trying to clarify what we can do and what our position is but yeah it's not um not without fault our show is not without fault at all and it's um well also uh, when we when we talk about things like this i like to talk about legitimacy and um and they do say the legitimacy for the government to act on our behalf and in our name is held in place by Mm. the silence and inaction of its people so um as australian citizens even though we are not refugees um it is important for us to speak out and say hang on this government does not speak for us. We are not. We do not approve of of this, and we are not. We don't want to be part of this. Um, and you've said mm. that quite clearly, clearly in your statement, um, where it says none of its members have any lived refugee experiences, but know that as Australians, they're complicit in the treatment of asylum seekers. The tension has been a political point scorer since Apple Spiel were infants, and a defining way in which this nation engages with the rest of the world. So I thought that was a really um, a really strong statement from your collective. Mm. Um, Thank you. Yeah. yeah, we also have we also have issue with the idea that um, an artist with a refugee background, or a policymaker or a writer with a refugee background, is pigeonholed into making art that is only yes. about that experience of being a refugee. Yep. So if we're going to be looking at refugee issues in Australia, it's not just an issue to put onto people with a refugee history. Obviously, there's a lot of trauma there that can be that we can be kind of forcing them to, to make their work within. We as white Australians have a responsibility to take up that mantle as well, but we have to be very careful that we're not erasing more legitimate voices than ours and that we are focusing on what is our role here, what is our responsibility and what can we do to to help. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us. I'll just go through where it is. It's at the Meat Market in North Melbourne. Number five, Blackwood Street. And if you want to buy tickets, just go to artshouse.com.au and we'll put this all up on the Refugee Radio Facebook page as well. Um, And it runs from 6.30pm Tuesday till Saturday from the 21st to the 25th of May. Um, So please check it out. It sounds incredible. Thank you for taking the time to chat to us and I hope it goes really well. Thank you so much. No worries. Um, we've been speaking to Rachel, um, who is part of uh, the co- an arts collective called Apple Spiel, um, who have created this um, project called Return to Escape from Woomera. All right, so the next artist I've got on the show is Ali MC. He's a photographer, amongst other things, and he's also got an exhibit coming up as well around the same time as um, 
Rachel's exhibit that we were just speaking about before. Um, his exhibit is called Stonebreakers of the East Kazi Highland. Um, and I'll let, I'll let him tell you more about this. So welcome to the show, Ali. Thank you very much for having me. And yeah, so I have a new exhibition coming up. Um, it's a photography exhibition of medium format photos. And the phot- photos were taken in the East Kazi Highlands, which is, um, if you can use your imagination to think about northeast India, it's the strange part of India that it lies above Bangladesh. And so I was traveling through there on the way to Bangladesh, actually, to go and photograph uh, the Rohingya situation in southern Bangladesh and happened to head through this place called Penursula, which is in the East Kasi Highlands. And on the side of the road were all these elderly women and children breaking, literally breaking rocks by hand with that, with hammers and picks and stuff, with no safety equipment, um, no, no machinery, nothing, just literally hitting rocks, breaking them and then piling them up into various sized piles. And so me being a photographer and someone who's interested in this kind of stuff, we pulled up and I told the taxi to keep going and leave me there. <laughs> and I ended up just staying in this village for a little while and photographing uh, people. I ended up um, helping doing some work as well just to experience that. And it was extraordinarily backbreaking work. And so my aim was really just to document these people's lives and what why were they breaking these rocks? And this was their form of employment and um, getting paid like about $2 a day to work 12 hours a day, six days a week um, to break rocks, which essentially then get shipped to Bangladesh to make roads and so on. So that's that's really what the exhibition's about. Is um, They're called the Nongshane Moor, the East Kasi Indigenous people. And Nongshane Moor literally means the people who break the rock in Indigenous Kasi language. And are they the only people that do it in the country or are there more of these things happening in other villages or other areas? Yeah, there's a lot of um, quarrying that goes on in the Kasi region. So the Kasi are an indigenous group of people who are probably more related to Burmese people than they are to what we consider, you know, like mainstream Indian people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that part of uh, India, which is the state of Meghalaya, uh, which is near Assam and Nagaland and so on, there's seven states up there and most of them are vying for some kind of separatist um become separate states basically because they're forgotten about by India they're very extremely poor the Kasi people for example um, they speak English and Kasi they don't speak Hindi or anything like that so they're they're quite culturally and linguistically separated from the rest of India um, so there is a lot of this quarrying that goes on um, and my understanding is that since these photos were taken in the last six months or so the government's actually closed down the quarries uh, and so which you can say well that's really great because they don't have to do this horrendous work anymore but then there's actually no other no jobs, jobs. Yeah, I was gonna- so the people are actually really annoyed that that this has happened and they're unsure about why the quarries have been closed and what's going to happen uh, Are they the bringing future. in other people or other companies to do the quarrying? No, not at all. They've just stopped the They've quarrying. Stopped yeah, okay. yeah. And so um, I don't really understand the politics behind it, but um, unfortunately that that's that's the case. And so these areas are yeah quite poverty-stricken um, and forgotten about by largely by the government. So, so this land area, is it is it quite rocky? Is that why they get all the... That's correct, yeah. yeah. So it's right high up up in the mountains. Okay. And um, that area is actually one of the wettest places on Earth. So from a... 
from a purely aesthetic perspective as a photographer to see people, these elderly women and children, in these brightly coloured tarpaulins that are protecting them from the wet, high up, backed by, in the clouds literally, in the mist, breaking these rocks was just an extraordinary sight. And so hence my compulsion to photograph it and also learn more about the issue. Yeah, did you Mm. go and you learned how to do it? Yeah, that's right. Well, I kind of felt it would be a bit rude just to rock up with a camera. So I actually, yeah. offered, for the first couple of days, just offered yeah. to help. Um, and they thought it was hilarious that I couldn't even do it. Like, there was like nine-year-old kids who could break the rocks better than what I could. Um, it was just extraordinarily difficult. And you're trying to break ro- sharp rocks with a hammer and, like, there's shards flying off into your eyes. And it's super dangerous, super dangerous work. And there's no safety equipment whatsoever. The kids are, like, barefoot or wearing thongs and stuff. And what are the men doing? Because you were saying they were women and... So, yeah, there's el- the women and children kind of break the rocks with hammers. And the men are actually in the quarry kind of carving off wow. these massive chunks of rock which is also extraordinarily dangerous a couple of people died in a landslide and so i went out and visited that as well and kind of climbed up onto the to the quarries and so on with the men to see what they were doing um and again it was just super dangerous work because there's no safety equipment there's literally just rubble everywhere that could collapse at any point in time the area um uh, it's actually got one of the oldest concrete factories in the world up in that area, which the British had um, developed in the 1800s when it was a British colony. So the area, because of the, the type of rock that's available there, has always been um, uh, utilised to make cement and roads and these types of things. So it's definitely not anything traditional to do with their culture. It's just forced labour, basically. Yeah, it's it's a human rights issue on a number of levels. One is that, well, they shouldn't really be doing this work in the first place. There mm. should be other avenues provided to them. And then secondly, you know, how do you then support Indigenous people within India who, who have far less rights than, than mainstream Indian people as well? All right, well... Unfortunately, that's all we have time for because our show only goes for half an hour and we've had to fit in as much as we possibly could. But um, thank you, Ali, for coming in and talking to us about the exhibit. Please tell us more, um, where, how, how can yeah, people... Yeah, so how do we find out more? Yep. So it's at Footscray Community Arts Centre. Uh, the opening is on Saturday the 18th of May at 4pm to 5.30pm. Uh, the cost is free. And I'm actually also doing a presentation, uh, if anyone's in the city, at Michael's Cameras, on Thursday, May 23, uh, it's a lunchtime presentation between 1 and 2 p.m. And so I'll be doing a presentation not only on that exhibition, but also on my work in film and analogue photography and human rights. And this event is also part of the um, 2019 Human Rights Arts and Film Festival. Too, it certainly so. is, yeah. So the ex- exhibition's on between 18th of May and, and the 8th of June. So it's on for about three or four weeks. So get down to Footscray Arts and have a look. And we will share this on our Facebook page as well. So if you're listening in and you haven't got any of that, don't freak out. We will put it up online. You've been listening to Refugee Radio. Thank you for joining us today. Um, please stay tuned for the Latin American update. I remember when I was growing up If my mother got angry or frustrated with me She'd say Now the basic translation of that Is oh how beautiful is freedom But where is freedom? <laughs>